0: Hello there, Pete! What are we watching today? Well, Kevin, today I will be describing a scary movie to scare the pants off of you. Oh darn! I hate scary movies! Boo hoo!
1: I want to get out of this! (laughs) Ha ha ha! You can't. Shucks! I guess I have to listen to it! Darn nabbit!
0: Welcome to Fearless Films! Fearless Films is a podcast where a horror movie buff, that's me, breaks down scary movies for the scaredy cats. Hit me! So they don't have to watch the movie.
1: So, do you want to explain to the folks what you told me as to why we needed to do the intro we did?
0: Uh, yeah, alright, well to begin with, today we're talking about the 2008 film One Missed Call, which is a J-horror remake in America. And uh, it is one of the most by-the-numbers, formulaic, J-horror remake movies I have ever seen. Now, what about the 2003 movie, One Missed Call? I didn't watch that.
1: I don't know what that is. (laughs) Because I tried to look up the notes about the 2008 movie, One Missed Call, and I got the 2003 movie, which I think is the original that the 2008 made a movie off of. That sounds right. Is it people who mysteriously receiving voicemail messages from their future selves foretelling their deaths? Yes. All right. All right. So I, I have the notes for both of them up here. So.
0: Cool. I mean, it li- this movie, the one I watched, plays out like somebody described to a writer the formula you need to make a J-horror film. Like, it needs, you know, there's a curse, preferably on some sort of physical object, People are warned of their impending death and then they die, and there's a mystery someone has to uncover. And it just plays so by the numbers without <laughs> any depth or heart or passion. It's just like, yep, this is a movie where things happen.
1: Now, Pete, that sounds like such a terrible waste of your time. Why would you watch a movie? This is like- your fault! <laughs> You asked for this. This is the first movie in the series that I started where we talk about movies that Pete had to watch that have a 4% or less on Rotten Tomatoes. So Rotten Tomatoes has deemed this one with a glorious what percentage, Pete? Zero percent. Zero. So whoever reviewed this movie decided that it was so bad it didn't deserve even 1% on the whole scale of whether a movie is any sort of good. There is nothing redeemable about this film, according to critics. Now, as we all know, you normal audience members are not film critics. You're not hoity Toy, So let me just assure you, if you're thinking maybe this movie's for me anyways, uh, audiences gave it a 29%, which is better, but still not the greatest thing ever.
0: That, yeah, this it's just, I I got nothing. This movie is just there. It just exists. <laughs> it's funny as I was reading, doing my research on it. Some critic or reviewer said that it basically signaled the end of the J horror American remake phase, and that's very accurate. Like after this movie, just Hollywood lost interest in that genre completely. I mean. We'll probably get in we'll get into it after the fact, but it probably
1: didn't make them that much money. No no it did not. there is the consensus of these critics the critics I reviewed because I love to see why it got a zero percent. Uh, the best one I can see is says for a would-be fright fest built around a supernatural premise one missed call is so glum and businesslike that it's not nearly as pul- as much pulpy fun as it should be.
0: yes. Yes. Business-like is the word I'm going to latch onto there. Like, there were characters in this movie, Kev. I couldn't tell you a single personal thing about any of them. I'm a little bit worried about this retelling.
1: We'll probably have to go pretty quick with it because another review, which... Also, this makes it kind of... I'm kind of nervous for our show. It says, it's not even remotely scary, which leaves the horror fans out, but it's also way too boring to even poke fun at.
0: So, is my job going to be really difficult here, Pete? It might be, but I have faith in your abilities.
1: (laughs) All right, you want to take us through it?
0: Yeah, all right. Take it slow
1: and give us as much detail as possible, because I really want... Th- our listeners to really experience the mind numbing boredom that this movie seems to portray. I don't
0: know if that's even possible, Kev. It's 87 <laughs> minutes long and bland as hell. All
1: right, bring us into it.
0: Okay, beginning of the movie. You see a hospital on fire. Firefighters are all over the place, you know, doing their damnedest to put it out and save anybody who's inside. A very young girl is rescued by the firefighters. And they're asking her if her mother is still inside, but she's in sort of like a shocked silence and doesn't say anything. Then we move on to another scene. Alright, we got that. Bad things happened, there was a girl that was in trouble, we don't need to tell you anymore, we got another movie to do. I want you to put that scene with the little girl in your back pocket, Kev, because she does not return until halfway through the movie. Well, we needed to set up the premise, it's a slow burn. Okay, yeah. Next... We cut to a college-age-looking woman named Shelly sitting outside her house next to a koi pond. Because despite being in America, she lives in a Japanese-style architecture house with a koi pond. Of course, because when you're going to be doing a J-Horror remake, you don't want to remake too much. No, no. She is just sitting there doing homework uh, when she hears a strange noise from behind her and she looks around trying to find the source of this noise when suddenly as she's leaning over the pond a hand reaches out grabs her by the throat and pulls her into the water well there she goes and then like just because this entity is a dick it grabs her cat as well and pulls it into the water <laughs> Fuck you and your cat! We got your typical J horror rage curse, and apparently the fucking cat had to die. I don't know. <laughs> and then, fucking just get used to this theme a little red hard candy appears like floating on the surface of the water after the girl goes under.
1: Wasn't that from it?
0: No, that's balloons.
1: I'm sure there was candy. No. Stephen King loves candy. So, that happens. Great.
0: Cut to many weeks later and yet a different person.
1: Well, (laughs) I just wanted to tell you about this lady who
0: got wet. All right, let's move on. The movie promises you that this is all going to tie together eventually. You just got to stick it out.
1: The movie has not built much trust in me at this point. It hasn't done the work to really bring us to that point in our relationship.
0: So I think the movie really needs to put up more than it has. Well, we're finally introduced to the main character, another college-age woman named Beth, played by Shannon Sossaman, an actress... Her name seems to be as exciting as the movie itself so far. Yes. Um, It's Beth. I think you would know this actress from A Knight's Tale, Kev. She was the female lead in that film. Oh! And I don't think I've seen her in anything since. (laughs) Well, she... It was really... There in The night's Tale, so that's good. Yeah. So she's at a, a house party. She's talking to one of her other friends, a guy named Brian. Steve. No. <laughs> Whatever. Just well, anything. I mean, I got his name. They have a whole conversation in the scene. I couldn't tell you anything about the two of them. <laughs> Except that she's a psychology student, and that's it. What's she studying? People. Is she cute? Yes, Kev. She's cute. Thanks. So, they're talking when another one of their friends shows up, Leanne, who just came from the funeral of that girl we saw get pulled into the koi pond.
1: I hope they really... They, I hope they have a great explanation as to why this woman died in a koi pond.
0: No. With her cat. Nope. They don't even talk about it. They're just like, how was the funeral? It was sad. How are you doing? I'm sad. Moving on. Can you believe that she was assassinated by her cat? <laughs> and then the cat
1: <laughs> offed that itself? bastard out... No, took that bastard out with him, though, with her, though, oh yeah, she was
0: always a fighter, or Julie mm-, no, not Julie, maybe I don't know, kev, it doesn't <laughs> matter, it really doesn't matter, so then, after they're done talking, Leanne gets a call on her cell phone, which she gets a voicemail, and it sounds like her screaming, and then it like cuts off, okay. And the weird thing about this voicemail, other than the fact that it sounds like her, is that the voicemail is dated as having come from three days in the future.
1: I think the most surprising thing about that is that somebody looked to see when the voicemail... Like, I can't remember. I see I get a voicemail, I play the voicemail. That's it.
0: I don't look to see when the voicemail arrived. I don't even know. Is that a feature? I I guess. I couldn't tell you how to figure that out. And then also the weird other th- weird thing is that the call came from Shelley's phone, the girl who drowned in the pond. Okay, so you know that's weird, but they're they're, tr- they're movie characters, so they're like, there must be some weird explanation. Whatever, let's not. It's fine. Let's not worry about it. I don't care. <laughs> um, so as the days go by. Leanne starts having weird hallucinations. Like, she'll look at a person and they'll have, like, a deathly, ghostly looking face. Or she'll see, like, bugs and shit crawling all over the walls.
1: Oh, so she's just descending into madness. That's nice.
0: Your typical J horror situation. Are
1: you going to say that? Should I just record you saying that on a loop? so that i can play it back every 13 seconds. That's yeah. In this That's a good
0: timing right there. Just every half minute just say that. But yeah, so eventually 3 days pass. We're at the date where she supposedly got the voicemail from she's walking home at night. She gets anxious, so she calls the main character, Beth, and is like, "Hey, some weird shit's going on. I just need to tell somebody about it."
1: Any details about that weird shit, or are we just going with generic weird shit? Well, she
0: doesn't even get into it before, like, Beth's like, I'm worried about you, I'm gonna come meet you, wherever you are, just stay there. And Beth comes running, but, but, like, right as Beth shows up at, like, the train station that this girl Leanne is at, she mysteriously, like, falls off of an overpass and gets run over by a train.
1: Wow. I feel like that's not the correct voicemail that should have been left her for her then there isn't a lot of screaming involved in getting run over by a truck well she screams as she falls oh so now i'm just kind of backtracking here so did shelly get a phone call from herself that was just bubbling <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. i mean and that's it pres- just like presumably it. yeah <laughs> I really wanted, why couldn't this movie have started the storyline one character further? I just want to know what that voicemail sounded like. I'm sorry. Was there, like, a strangled meowing happening as well? I mean, that's what makes me mad. The cat didn't get a phone call.
0: (laughs) Maybe it did. I don't know. You don't know the cat's life. So anyway, uh, once again, a red hard candy, like, appears in the mouth of the dead girl and her her dismembered hand dials an unknown number on her phone.
1: Oh, that's nice. Yeah.
0: Did a weird ghostly
1: hand push her into the train or she just fell?
0: It just looked like some invisible force pushed her. Because Koi Pon Lady got full on Murder. Yeah, like a hand came out. Straight up murder. Yeah. But that's because there was no other witnesses, so it didn't. Ma- it, the ghost didn't care. Oh, okay, we didn't. Yeah. The ghost was like, "Fuck it, whatever. Yeah, whatever." And your cat, I could take out the only witness that was there. Yeah. So then, Mr. Fluffles. We cut to a few days later after the funeral. Beth's roommate Taylor is discussing the fact that Shelley, the koi pond girl, also received a strange voicemail before her death, and they all think that's weird. And then Brian, the dude from the party in the earlier scene, he starts experiencing weird hallucinations and stuff, and he runs out in, in a in just like a, in a rush. Beth catches up. There's no way. There's no
1: reason for this Brian to be the next one. It just now it's your turn.
0: Pretty much. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so Beth catches up with him outside a coffee shop. And he shows her a voicemail he received the night that Leanne died. And they realize, like, oh, that voicemail's dated from, like, a minute from now. And he's just like, he's like, this is all just crazy. I don't believe in this type of shit. It's just, you know, like, if you don't think about it, it's not going to get to you. and like, Wow, wait.
1: they, They have the voicemails down to the minute? Oh, yeah. This is sophisticated phone shit going
0: on. And so he, like... They even do like a Final Destination fake out. Like he's like he's like yelling at her. He's like, "This is all just bullshit. It's not real." And then almost gets hit by a car in the street. And I'm like, "Ah, cute movie, fake me out." Uh, yeah, yeah. And then she's like, you know, she's like trying to tell him to like come back, and he's like, "Whatever." And then a fucking construction site across the street blows up. There's just a random explosion and a piece of rebar goes shooting through Brian's chest and kills him. Okay, what the hell? Yeah, like, the ghost is just like, fuck, he didn't get hit by the car, I need something else. Go, 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 I don't care, just blow shit up. (laughs) And then he falls over dead and a, a red hard candy falls out of his mouth like all the other victims. The movie really well, wants you to notice these red hard candies.
1: It, like, focuses for, like, an hour on it being, like,
0: hard candy. It's very crucial to the story, Kev. You got to remember that. I don't care already. So then Beth arrives home to find her roommate, that girl Taylor, waiting. Taylor says, it's like, she knows that she's going to be next, even though she hasn't received a voicemail yet. And best, like, no, nothing's bad. That's because Taylor always thinks it's about her. She does. Ugh. But best, like, nothing bad is going to happen to either of us. And they take the batteries out of both of their cell phones. And they're like, listen, now we can't receive a cursed phone call. It's going to be fine. Got him. Un- Solved the issue. Unfortunately, they underestimated how a ghost works. <laughs> and later that night, they are awakened by Taylor's cell phone ringing, despite not having a battery in it and the the screen displays a video message of her death dated 2 days in the future.
1: Wait, are we at Beth now? Uh or Taylor. Taylor. Okay, so she's got to die.
0: Yeah. The next morning, a police detective named Jack Andrews visits Beth. Now, I like I said I've said before, I use Wikipedia to like use as my foundation of running the plot. This character was introduced like at the beginning of the movie and Wikipedia has decided not to mention him until now, <laughs> like halfway through the plot breakdown.
1: Was he part of the little girl burning hospital thing?
0: No, he's he has Damn. a scene that takes place right after the Koi Pond death where he's looking at a dead body that's apparently his sister. And he's like, it's like a hard for him to do, but he's got a job to do. And, he, and his like partner's like, you should take time off. And he's like, nah, I got to figure this out. So, okay. this character, this cop named Jack, is back in the picture. He visits Beth, saying that it was his sister, the deceased sister, was the one who called Shelly's phone before Shelly died. Despite... With the voicemail
1: of the gargling. Yeah. And the cat.
0: and But cat. this happened despite his sister being dead at the time of the call.
1: Right, right. As is normal at this point.
0: And so he's like, you know, I followed this chain of phone calls to you and your friends. Something weird is going on. And he says he traced the voicemail left on his sister's phone and was going to find out more about the person who sent it, a woman named Marie Layton. So Beth goes with him because she's like, well, half my friend group is dead, so I want to know what's going on. There must be something
1: fishy going yeah. on. So
0: he begrudgingly takes her along. Taylor hasn't died yet, right? No, not yet. They go through the local autopsy reports and find a report for one Ellie Layton, the eldest daughter of the woman Marie Layton, who called this cop's sister. And this girl, Ellie, apparently died of an asthma attack. That's what's on her autopsy report.
1: No weird fish shenanigans? No, 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 no. Weird. They
0: also find records for multiple hospital visits for Ellie and her younger sister, Laurel, who was often injured which leads Beth to suspect that they might have been abused by their mother like because they have just like I think in a series of like a year nine hospital visits like a burn a cut inhaled some poisonous fumes like all this shit they're just a lot of sleuthing going constantly going back to the hospital so we're building the the pieces to the mystery here maybe this woman Marie was abusing her two young daughters we're not sure we,
1: do we care? Uh, we care?
0: kind of? I don't know. All right. <laughs> we don't, We see, this is the thing. The movie hasn't shown us this woman or her daughters, so it's all just people talking about these tertiary characters. So I'm like, is this important to the plot or not? I'm not sure. Like, I don't know what's going on anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Taylor is contacted by a TV producer who heard about the deaths and the mysterious phone calls, and wants really? her to join him on a filmed, televised exorcism. This just seems like a really bad idea. This guy wants Taylor to get an exorcism on live TV to show just on, like, the sensationalist program that he runs.
1: Great. Let's... And, and I'm guessing she just goes ahead and
0: does it. She agrees to do it because she doesn't know what else to do. Beth tells her it's a best friend who is going to help her is off with some random cop. Well, she tells Beth, and Beth's like, this isn't a good idea. This guy's just trying to exploit you. Like, this isn't going to do anything. But she goes through with it anyway. So Taylor is taken to the studio. They set everything up. They start filming. They get a priest in there, and he's just, like, pointing a Bible at her cell phone and is like, I command you to leave this girl alone.
1: (laughs) Ah, exercising cell phones. That's always... So it's in the Bible a lot. Oh yeah. So I think Jesus' third miracle. I mean, he uh,
0: he cleans a Nokia right out. It's just if there's an object with a demon in it, just God will help you out with that, no matter what. But yeah, so Beth's racing to the studio. Once there's a whole lot of this movie of Beth racing to places to save her friends and just getting there at the last second. Beth needs to race faster. She does. Yeah. But, like, as the exorcism is going on, Taylor starts having the hallucinations, and she's seeing weird shit. And then, just right in the middle of all of it, the lights all go out, and an unseen force chokes her to death, and she's dead right there on live TV. Yeah, I would have
1: thought that they would have found something more creative than that right there.
0: Nope, she just gets fucking choked to death.
1: I'm just gonna choke her. It's
0: fine. Yeah. And once again, following that, if there is witnesses, the ghost remains invisible.
1: But not, like, inexplicable. Like, it didn't show that, like, oh, maybe something happened to her. No, it was just, like, she just choked to death. On nothing. By an invisible ghost. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And, uh, guess, and of course, guess what happens after she dies, Kev?
1: Ooh, ooh, hard candy. Yeah.
0: Very important. I'm getting it. Very, very important.
1: I don't, I just can't care.
0: Yeah. So of course, like I said, Beth gets there too late to save her friend. She sees the whole thing. And then Beth's phone rings and she gets a voicemail dated for tomorrow.
1: Now the pressure's on. Now the clock's ticking. You got
0: uh, 24 hours to solve the rest of this mystery and save your life. All right, Kev. I know that this thrill ride has got you on the edge of your seat, but why don't we take a break and we'll talk about some news and, and contact info and all that. Ke- uh, Kev, Kev, <clears throat>
1: um, uh-huh. oh, hey, what's up? Um, uh, <clears throat> hey, Pete, what are we talking about today? No, nope. nope? the break segment. Oh, y- uh, yeah, I knew that. I was, I must have nodded off listening to this movie. Well, at least you don't snore. You didn't interrupt my re- <laughs> my recording, so. Even though I did, we could all edit and post. It's fine. Yeah, so this has been a... a, You know, I thought we had such a really great time talking about this so far that uh, we should do it again. Like, almost the exact same thing. Oh, God, why? Haven't you learned yet? (laughs) Next week's movie that I'm bringing to you is called Fear.com, which is basically the same movie from what I can see. I don't really go that much, but it does. It's better. It is a better movie because it has a uh, whopping 3% on Rotten Tomatoes. But the premise is people go on a website and then 48 hours later,
0: they die mysteriously. So what you're telling me is every movie that came out after The Ring was just The Ring for like six years.
1: (laughs) When did The Ring come out?
0: I think it was like 2001 or something like that.
1: All right. Well, this is even more of a ripoff because it's 2002. Oof. It's a 2002 horror movie. So I can't wait because I have been having trouble sleeping lately, and I think this will be a great fix for that.
0: Oh, so you're going to watch it.
1: <laughs> uh, why don't you tell them where they can find out more about this wonderful podcast we run?
0: Well, Kev... The easiest way is to contact us through our Gmail account, fearlessfilmspodcast at gmail.com. You can email us with suggestions. Any suggestions, please. Something other than what Kevin has put us through.
1: <laughs>
0: or if you just want to chat or throw us a comment, you can hit us up on all of our social media. Facebook and Instagram, Fearless Films Podcast, And at Twitter, at fearlessfilmpod. So yeah, those are all the places you can reach us. Please... Somebody out there save me from Kevin's (laughs) scheduling. He can't be allowed (laughs) to do this.
1: Is the cinematic equivalent of spam in your email email inbox, is one of the reviews.
0: Mm. No thanks.
1: Speaking of no thanks, let's get back to One Missed Call. Alright Pete, I am ready to get back into it. It took me a lot to like, psych myself up for this point, but I am here. Pete, tell me the- the- you ended it on a cliffhanger there, they have 24 hours, so now the big guns start coming out. The movie just starts whamming you with like, action, and scary moments, and and jump scares,
0: and- and all that, right? Next- next thing is- is just crazy crazy. I'm glad you're prepared Kev because what happens immediately next is research. Ah, uh, what? Beth's it's not. Beth gets crazy. She gets back on a computer and starts Fishes get killed. looking up stuff. Bodies flying everywhere. Newspaper articles. Like a cute puppy. Anything. Microfiche. <laughs> yeah, so Beth looks more into this family. And her and Jack are able to track down the surviving younger sister, Laurel, uh, who's at a, I don't want to say an orphanage. Like a f- my friends are dying around me. They're
1: just getting picked off like bugs at a, around a bug zapper here. They're just zip, zapping away. We finally find out that there's some method to this madness. And I figured out I'm the next victim of this supernatural entity that has been
0: murdering its way through my friend group. And I'm gonna go to the fucking library. She's gotta know more about this family that we just have not done anything with for the entire movie. Welcome to, I
1: guess, more character development, if there is any. Let's go.
0: So, her and the cop they go meet this little girl at a foster home. But the the lady running the place is like she hasn't talked since we took her in. Like you're not. Oh, is that the little girl? Yeah, is that
1: the little girl. Little,
0: tiny little girl. She's probably like eight years old. And they try to ask her, like, what happened to your mother? Do you know where she is? What happened that night of the fire at the hospital? But the little girl doesn't say anything. She just clutches her teddy bear close and doesn't say a word. So this is a very fruitful journey.
1: Great. Just like this movie. Beth
0: gets the idea. She's like, fuck it. I'm just going to go to that burned down hospital. Well, it's not completely burned down, but, you know, burnt out hospital. And I'm going to look around and try to find something. Sure. And Jack's like, you shouldn't... Like, they're on the phone, and he's like, you can't go alone, it's not safe. So he's rac- he now he's racing to catch Beth. Ooh, he's gonna be late, and she's gonna be dead. Mm, maybe. <laughs> so, by this point, she gets to the hospital with 30 minutes left to live. And she's walking through this place, she's getting, like, fly by, like, various hallucinations and imagery and weird shit. I am shocked that
1: this is, like what
0: she's decided to do with the
1: final moments of her life like there's no gamble like she doesn't even have anything to back her up that this might solve anything or save her she's literally on like step one of the
0: research side of things i mean it's whatever man the movie needs a conclusion so jack shows up but they get separated by the weird ghostly shit like the like the ghost literally pushes him out of a room and shuts the door so he can't help this ghost is not being very subtle at all anymore. <laughs> and eventually Beth ends up like trapped in a crawl space where she finds the corpse of Marie, the mother. It's just like this terribly burned corpse still clutching a cell phone dead in a crawl space.
1: In a, in a hospital? Yeah. Okay, sure. And they didn't find- they didn't look through this hospital after it burned to the ground? They
0: apparently did not check the walls or anything. Because, I mean, like, they weren't expecting to find a woman in the crawl space. Why not? What do you do when a place burns down? You try to escape it. I can't help you, Kev. Why are you asking for logic from this? The smoke rises so you'd crawl to escape. I can't- it's- it doesn't- literally a crawl space. Anyway... I'm just saying the firefighters were bad at their job. The corpse animates and starts chasing Beth through this tiny little area. That sounds hilarious. But eventually it corners her, and to her surprise, the corpse doesn't kill her. It's just, like, weeping, and it tries to say something to her. But then, like, nothing happens, and then the time goes by where she was supposed to have died, and she lives. And then she just walks home, done with the movie. Well, no, she gets out... Jack gets her, and they talk, and she's like, I don't think Marie was trying to harm me. I think she was trying to protect me. Okay. And But they're just like, that's weird. Don't know what's up with that. So he takes her home. They, you know, she's like, you should call me sometime. Make out. No, but, like, they start flirting. She's like, you should call me sometime. He's like, how about tomorrow?
1: I'm glad that they're making this a romantic subplot happening, what, nine
0: tenths of the way through the movie yeah absolutely that's you've nailed it like the movie's almost (laughs) over and they're like uh let's throw in a romantic subplot right now but so yeah jack goes off he's he goes to visit the little girl again just to like for some closure or whatever like he wants to tell her that her mother's corpse was found but she it's late at night she's asleep and he's like all right i'll we can you can tell her in the morning and but he he notices something that tips him off And he grabs the little girl's teddy bear and finds hidden inside of it a a compact disc. And what the compact disc has on it is it's saved footage from a nanny cam that was in the house of the little girls. And here's the big reveal, Kev. Ooh, I'm excited now. The mother wasn't abusing her children. Yay, I guess. The older daughter was abusing the younger one. Boo! That's real shitty. Yeah, like, the camera footage shows the, like, the two girls are alone in their room and the older one's like, just sit right here. I'm gonna do something. It's gonna be fine. And she, like, grabs a knife from, like, a hidden spot in her room and starts cutting on her sister's arm. What the hell? Yeah. And then, like, that's when the mom walks in and she's like, it was you all along, which is just, like, you didn't know? Like... Who did you think? If your daughter keeps getting hurt in the presence of no one else but your other daughter, who did you think it was? Uh, ghost lady. Ghost ghost face killer. No. No. So, in the footage the mom grabs the younger daughter and is like, "I got to take you to the hospital." And she locks the older daughter in her room like as a punishment. She's like, "I'll deal with you when we get back." Now what she doesn't realize is she's locked the older daughter in her room without her inhaler. Oh. They go to the hospital. The older daughter dies because she has an asthma attack and can't breathe. And then becomes a J-horror ghost for some reason.
1: You know, that happens. This is what initiates Uh, the curse. Little known fact, J-horror ghosts just dying from asthma creates J-horror ghosts. Yeah. Well, I guess
0: I should be specific. Like, as the girl's gasping for breath, she tries to call her mother... And dies as the call's going through.
1: Oh, on the cell Setting phone.
0: the curse. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. We had to have a terrible family. Did... Did... Is there something about the Japanese culture where just families are terrible to one another? I... I don't know, man. I mean, I feel like every single one of these J-horrors, they're like,
0: guess what? That family? Shit. They're all
1: terrible.
0: Yeah, that's what, like, the curse starts there... She, her ghost kills her mom by starting the hospital fire, blah, blah, blah. Her mom's corpse. That's a big deal. Like, the
1: first, it's pretty
0: subdued after that. And, like, uh, you burn an entire fucking hospital down? The connection after that is, I guess, like, the mom, her corpse after she dies called the cop's sister, who was a social worker working on their case. And then from there, that sister knew Shelly and so on and so forth.
1: I mean, I feel like there needs to be more of a reason if you're going to be a J-Hard revenge ghost. Like, you got the mom. Great, you did it. I mean, you were kind of shitty to begin with, though. You were abusing your sister in a heinous fashion. But, like, then to be like, alright, I'm just, now, now I'm just going to, you know, I, I got my revenge, and now I'm just going to go on a random murder spree, because, you know, why not?
0: I'm, it's, from everything I've read and been told, no, just, like, Japanese ghosts and curse, it's just about a continuous rage that never ends, and once it starts, it doesn't matter. If you get in its path, it kills you.
1: I mean, I guess there is something to be said for that, like, whole, like, it's a curse. It's, it doesn't have to be specific to who was cursing you or anything like that. Like, once the revenge
0: happens, that isn't solved. It's just, now that evil is out there and just I mean is it, it seems to work in this case as if you're in the person's phone book then you're a potential target that's it sorry bro so anyway back in the present the cop and the foster lady they, they wake up the little girl and they're like you know is this true like do you, you had this the whole time and the little girl finally speaks and to explain to the cop yes my sister did hurt me But every time she did, she gave me one of these hard candies to make me feel better. Oh, it's the hard
1: candy reference!
0: That is the only significance for the
1: hard candies. But it's... No, I don't have much. I just... It's just... Okay. There's some tenuous connection to the... The
0: ghost! Literally means nothing. Okay. So... (laughs) <laughs> then the cop's cell phone begins to ring uh, with a voicemail dated for 30 minutes from now and he's like shit wow, these these voicemails are not giving them much, much time I know. he's like I gotta warn Beth like the spirit is still out there so he goes racing to her house and she lets him in and then like immediately they hear a knock at the door and he goes to check it out by looking through the peephole and I fucking kid you not Kev a knife comes through the peephole and stabs him in the head and kills him
1: what the hell? Now
0: this chick is conjuring weapons.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's pretty That's pretty exciting. Gotta say.
0: Then the spirit of Ellie starts attacking Beth and, like, dragging her around the house because you need some dragging in one of these situations. You just gotta have some dragging, you know? But right before it kills her, the spirit of the mother, Marie, appears and grabs Ellie's spirit and, like, takes her away and saves Beth. You couldn't have done that like six or seven deaths ago, lady. I heard she she was trapped in that hospital. She wasn't laid to rest. What? Kicking open a crawl space later to rest? Here's the kicker, though, Kev. So it's like Beth is saved. The camera pans over to Jack's dead body, and a hard candy Oops. falls out of his mouth, and his hand starts dialing a ra- another number on the phone, meaning that. Only Beth was saved. Other people are still going to die, though.
1: Nope, they're all going to die. End it's of
0: fine. movie. Cut to credits.
1: Isn't that kind of normal, though? Like, Yeah,
0: it is. But I just think it's like, it's wait, so Beth gets off scot-free? Like, why?
1: I forget. The, the, we won't... So this is the ring. Yeah, um, it is. Did the ring solve anything, or did they just forestall it didn't they find like a weird loophole and they're like maybe we we just need to show other people the video and then we're good for as
0: long as you make a copy of the tape and show somebody else the curse passes you over
1: but if one poor sap doesn't then you're screwed
0: well i don't in the ring i don't know if it backtracks like i think it just kills the current person if they don't make a copy i don't think it comes back for everyone else
1: no but i'm just saying like it's like the worst game of of um Hot potato. Ever. <laughs> well,
0: yes, yeah. Now, what I'm thinking here, though, is eventually, I mean, it can't keep this up. The ghost is gonna find somebody whose phone only has like one contact in it, or like it's a new phone and it doesn't have any contacts in it yet. <laughs> Anti-social people save the day. Or, yeah, or it gets stuck in a loop where it kills every person in a friend group on their contact list, but then it doesn't have anywhere else to go and it just stops. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I should be devoting that much thought to this movie.
1: I mean, the director, I don't think did so. Was that? Th- that's the whole thing, right? It ends with that cliffhanger, and then we're done. Yeah, that's it. Great, awesome. That's that's a movie. It's a movie, Kev. We have talked about a movie that took place, and that's it. Absolutely.
0: Do you um? Do you have any of the data on how well this did as a movie? Well, on a $20 million budget. $20 million? This would not cost a lot of money. I mean, I guess that's pretty good for a horror film, but, like, even still, it's like, damn, these people were working for cheap.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, uh, the the way I think it is is you probably can't go much higher than A Knight's Tale, so after that, you just start doing work for pro bono.
0: And on that budget, the movie made $45 million, which would be considered a failure. I mean, I could tell you that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I mean, we already know the critical reception it got. Did, a lot of people loved it, right? They were like, this is modern Shakespeare. No. <laughs> My favorite thing, looking at the, the Wikipedia page, it says, you know, release, marketing, blah, blah, blah. Under home media, it says... The DVD, HD DVD, and Blu-ray were released on April 22nd, 2008, none of which contain any special features. It was just the movie. This movie did not warrant special features. It was bad.
1: Do you think anybody cared about this movie? Like, the people who were making it, the director, any of the actors,
0: do you think anybody cared about this? Well, here's the thing. This is what I found, Kev. The behind-the-scenes of this movie is your typical pass-the-buck blame game. Because, the, I mean, the stars have disavowed. They're like, this is the worst movie any of us have been in. And the writer disowned the film, claiming that it was a messy production that ruined the film, where no one was able to agree on which direction to take it. And I quote this, the screenwriter, Andrew Clavin, each group, writer, director, actors, producer had a different vision of the film and while any one of them might have worked, they pulled in different directions. end quote. I just feel like that would be that would be
1: great if the movie was just like a mess of a movie that like had no coherency. but it just didn't seem like there was anything to this movie. Like you just said it was like a very formulaic, boring movie and I don't even watch horror movies and i could have predicted 90 percent of what happened here
0: oh yeah um it goes deeper too uh once again the director claimed that or no one of the stars shannon Sossman, claimed that the decision to make the film pg-13 instead of rated r was a last minute decision after f- filming had already occurred
1: i mean i guess they didn't film a lot of R-rated material then, or they cut out 90% of the movie
0: or something. I mean, I don't really know what would have pushed it to R. Like, thinking about this whole movie, I'm like, they show the rebar go through that dude. The, the other guy gets stabbed in the face with a knife. Like, if that didn't push um, it to R, nothing else in the movie would have. Like, because it's just like, der- people get drowned or choked.
1: My guess is, is probably what would have happened is, you know that scene where they were like, kind of flirting with one another? Yeah. Just, she immediately rips off all of her clothes. I just don't think so, Ken. Hey, you should call me sometime. Or we could just totally do it right now. <laughs> That's the script. That
0: was the missing uh, scene. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> now, here's the last bit. And this one, I highly question. The writer, once again, Andrew Clavin, has mentioned several times that he wrote the script under the assumption that it was going to be a horror comedy and was very surprised when the movie was made as a serious horror film. Regarding some of the very clunky dialogue, he said, quote, those were supposed to be jokes. Now. (laughs) It was a joke, guys. It was just a joke. Kev, I just watched this movie a few hours ago. Wow, really? I, for the record, do not believe that statement. at all? Like, because I, I read that before I put the movie on, and I watched it being like, I was looking for that. I'm like, alright, where was this movie mangled by producers? And some of it I can see, but I in no way see this movie playing out as a sort of, like, dark satire horror comedy. No. There's no way. I think this dude just wrote a very generic film after completely ripping off the plot of The Ring, and then tried to save face by being like, the studio meddled too much, man. It was supposed to be a completely different kind of film.
1: My in artistic integrity
0: is still intact. I just... it just pl- It's a very... By the numbers, just use the plot of The Ring, but change the curse a little bit, it's the same movie. It's the exact same movie. Yeah, And there's nothing like... There was a... I wouldn't even say the movie had clunky dialogue other than... There's a few scenes where the characters are speaking completely in exposition. Like early in the movie <laughs> after the Shelley died and Leanne has come from the funeral and she lo- she's like how was the funeral and she's like well you know the, uh, the parents having to see their you know young daughter be buried other than that it was fine but she's like I knew Leanne I went to school with her I had classes with her she'd never do this and it's like thank you we got that you knew her already you didn't need to say it. <laughs>
1: I was close friends with her when she died it's very mysterious and weird and unlike her that she would have died no that's basically
0: what she says (laughs) she like lists like eight ways in that how she knew her in like one conversation it's like no we get it movie I'm completely flummoxed by this (laughs) but other than that like I didn't read any lines of like that was supposed to be a joke but they edited it weird like no it just played like a straight up like generic horror movie what a mystery this is (laughs) Um, fun fact, the little girl who was harming her sister and ended up being the ghost that was doing all this bad shit, played by a young, then unknown Ariel Winter, the youngest Dunphy daughter from the show Modern Family.
1: Weird. I I guess she moved up a little bit. She's in,
0: like, one scene of this movie, because whenever she's, like, a ghost and actually appears, it's just, like, weird CG ghost face, and it's not her. Um... But yeah she's just in like one scene in this movie And I'm just like that's the girl from Modern Family That's weird <laughs> She, Out of everyone else in this movie She's had the biggest career I think <laughs> But yeah that's just I have nothing else to say about this movie Like I get why it has A zero percent but it's not Because it's like this is a trash Garbage movie that like No one put any effort into It's just its a, it's too generic It's too nothing
1: I mean, it sounds like it isn't a trash garbage movie, but still nobody put any effort
0: into it. Yeah, it's just so... It's just there. And I think that's why it got such a bad, like... You can't even have fun watching it and, like, making fun of it. Because it's just... There's nothing there. Yeah, like, the mystery shows up halfway through the movie. None of the characters have any personalities. They're just like, we are doing things because that is what the script dictates. I have no emotion on whatever is happening here. And then, like, yeah, like, remember I told you, like, that little girl is being pulled out of the fire at the beginning of the movie, and then that isn't talked about for another, like, 60 minutes.
1: Well, they, like I said, it's a slow burn. They wanted to really build up the
0: tension. Was that a pun, Kev? A slow burn? Ah, I get it, because she burned to death in a hospital. That's terrible. That's pretty bad. Pretty bad. Still better than this movie. Wow. And on that note, I must ask, Kev, I mean, I feel like you could, but would you watch One Missed Call? I don't see the reason
1: to. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I should just kind of,
0: you know, just watch The Ring <laughs> if I wanted to watch this movie. You wouldn't even get like street cred for that, like, oh, Kevin doesn't watch horror <laughs> movies. Yeah, but I watched One Missed Call, and everyone would be like, and they're like, Kevin, what? that's worse. That's <laughs> that proves nothing.
1: <laughs> so I know you're not going to be able to speak very personally about this because you're desensitized from a lifetime of poor decisions, but like. Are there any scary movies moments in this movie? Uh... Like, even, like, the most... Pretend that it's, like,
0: a baby watching this film. <laughs> Would there be any scary moments? No, not that I can even really think of. Like, it's just stuff happens, and you're like, yep, expected that person to die just then, and they did. In a not-really-spectacular fashion, so woo So just anybody who hasn't seen anybody die on film before, this might be a little bit tough for you to watch, but that's about it. The one thing I will give this movie a single point for, Kev, is that when she finds the dead, burned mom corpse that then, like, gets up and starts chasing her, it's all practical. Like, it's a woman with, like, burn makeup on, and it looks really good. And I'm like, why was this wasted on this movie?
1: (laughs) Is there any time... In the history of Ever, Pete, that you have said digital effects are better than practical effects. Well, um, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm beginning to think that this is just a you and not like the reality of
0: cinema. Now, I can't... Digital effects look good a lot of the time. I'm just saying it's cool and it's practical. You want to see some really great digital
1: effects, go watch the first X-Men Made uh, in was it the two thousand? I think in the
0: year two thousand, yeah, yeah.
1: Let me tell you, I watched that recently,
0: and it does not hold up. Really, you don't say.
1: Um, so we know I won't watch this movie because why would I bother? Who do you think should watch this movie, Pete?
0: Nobody. Wow.
1: I can't. I, mean, I can't in
0: any good conscience recommend this movie, KeV.
1: I think we're gonna get a lot of that. In this, this month right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I blame you for it.
1: It got two awards. It got nominated for two awards of the Teen Choice Awards. That's genuinely surprising. Choice movie actor and actress for Shannon Sossaman and Edward Burns. They didn't win. I'm
0: glad. Whatever <laughs> else came out that year deserved it. So, Kev. All right. I think the real challenge is on you now. You know what's coming. What, what special yep. group, what demographic, what niche underground cult could benefit from one missed call? <laughs>
1: I do have a group of people, and it's a it's a pretty specific group, but Pete, you don't have to worry about this right now or ever again because you're married, but... In the past, like, let's say high school or middle school, did you ever, like, write a letter or send a text to your crush and, like, it was completely, maybe it was really soppy or maybe it was, like, pretty inappropriate or somewhat offensive and they, like, you thought it'd be, you thought it would, like, it work. You thought you'd shoot your shot and you might get somewhere and they just completely, like, laughed you out of the building or acted gross or disgusted. Has that ever happened to you or you know what I'm talking about? I get what you're saying.
0: I'm following yeah,
1: Yeah. So if if you're one of those people and you got to be like, shit, I have to figure out how to make this all look like a big joke that, like, I didn't mean it seriously. It was all just a prank, bro. Um, then you should watch this movie and then read up on Andrew Klavan, the, the screenplay writer, who I think would be the biggest example of this exact thing happening. Yep. Where he wrote a whole ass movie, and then when the recipients of the movie were like, "This is shit," he's like, "No, nah, no, nah, buddy, it was just my uh, my little brother took my keyboard and uh, he wrote that. <laughs> Get it? It was. Ooh, I don't know. He's he's such a shit. I'm sorry. Lol. So I think I think that's the. If you ever find yourself in that experience and you want. Uh, A good example, or the best example, I think, of a whole fuck-up that's even bigger than your weird text. Um, This is
0: it. You should watch this movie so you can really experience what Andrew's going through. I like it. So this movie is the equivalent of an awkward teenager in high school. (laughs) Well, Kev. I mean, that was the 0% one. So this is the theoretically the worst you can only go up yes from here. it's the worst Thanks. it's gonna get it's smooth sailing from here and we got through it we got through it pretty well we're alive
1: i would like to believe that i got through it better than you because you actually had to sit through an
0: uh what uh 100 or
1: 90 minutes of this i mean
0: all that really means is i just lost 90 minutes of the day <laughs> i st- i went i am- you know what i went food shopping today i was productive today
1: in the scope of the world though like in the scope of our lives, I have ninety more minutes of life than you do now at this point. <laughs> That's true. I have lived ninety more minutes and actually lived them than you have. And all of you listeners who haven't seen the movie One Miss Call, just know that. Just take that as like a gift you can keep in your heart. Just be like, no matter how tough my day is, no matter how much I'm struggling, I have ninety more minutes of life than all those people who went and watched the movie one missed call. And also remember, as you're thinking that warm little moment that that's keeping you uh, alive and aglow at night, just remember, don't get too scared.